Welcome to the Guitar Freaks Podcast, where we turn beginning guitar players into guitar freaks. This podcast is sponsored by Fret Deck. And now your host, Justin Comstock. Welcome to the Guitar Freaks Podcast. This is Justin Comstock, your host. I am very excited today to have my good friend, Sean Barrows, on the show today. What is up, Sean? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> good. How you been? I've been good. Just, you know, I mean, got to get outside right now. It's hard, it's hard to feel like a, not, not, not feel cabin fever right now, but yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a big hiker and I like to go hiking out in the mountains here. So I'm like, get me out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've, I've braved it for a couple walks and runs outside and just avoided people. <laughs> but it just feels weird because I'm not, I, I'm, I, like, I like being around people. <laughs> weird to not have to have to like say too close yeah no, you're there. like you're like running down down the down your path and like swerving out of the way of people and I stuff I totally am. <laughs> like someone on the sidewalk i gotta change across the street okay <laughs> <laughs> on the other sidewalk i feel like yeah. that at the grocery store just kind of like swerving out of the way of people and stuff <laughs> yeah oh I, see when it first when it first started people weren't taking it as seriously i went to walmart and I was already kind of like a little bit paranoid about it. And there was way too many people at Walmart. I was like, I had to, get paid, I had to pick up a prescription. And I'm there and I'm like, man, I, I feel really uncomfortable here. I just got to say, and I was like, I'm, I'm sitting like this, people bringing their families. I'm like, did you not hear the news? Get uh, just one person in the family, come. You don't need the whole family to come to Walmart to do your emergency shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's gotten pretty crazy. Yeah. But I'm glad you guys are safe. And um, safe at home. Thanks, you too. Yeah. Um, what I what we kind of want to learn about you is a little bit about your experience. What uh, what is what's basically your story? I, uh, you and I have have done projects in the past um, on your uh, Unsung Heroes show, and we we've yeah. done a lot of fun things. But we would like to know, and our listeners would like to know, what your experience is. What's your story? I mean, so it, it, I, I guess I, I had the, the itch to begin this career when I was 15, released an album when I was 16, and I just, I hustled from the very beginning, man. I just sold that album to all, everybody in high school. I set up a table in the common rooms, and I asked everybody to buy it. I ended up selling, I think, 300 or 400 copies of that album in my high school. And so I'm like, it's sweet, I'm going to just make a career out of this, so I'm going to do this thing. And... Um, I, you know, I went and served that, a two-year a two mission, my church and everything, and then when I got back, I'm like, uh, I decided, well, you know, maybe I'll give college a try and just see if, you know, maybe music is, isn't very stable, so maybe I should try being like a lawyer or something. And uh, so I actually pursued political science. I studied that for a year and a half, and I, and I, and I said, I'm out. So I, I just literally, <laughs> I, I just got in my car and I drove to L.A. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it was it was pretty much like I had nothing in L.A., nothing going at all. And I was like, I'm just going to go there. I'll figure it out. <laughs> so I just dropped, dropped out of school, got in my car and drove to L.A. And my parents freaked out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I went there and I'm like, I'm just going to figure out a way to make it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I live out of my car if I have to. And so I just figured, I, you know, I can, I can just get a gym membership and shower at the gym. Get out of my car. Get all my stuff in my trunk. <laughs> so I was just ready to just like homeless uh, be, be Mr. Homeless you know 
struggling artist in LA and figure out a way. And the first thing I did when I got there, I auditioned for a rock band that was already signed to Sony Records. And I got the, the, the role as the keyboardist for the band. Yeah. Right out the gate. So I'm like, okay, this is, you know, something's happening. And it's, it's working. I'm already in a band that's signed to a big label. And uh, so I was with that band for about three and a half years. And during that time, like they, they covered all the expenses of the demos and the, we did a lot of like shows that were high profile shows. And um, it was all kind of like their way to just say, is this viable? Is this band going to go anywhere? Yeah. It, was, it was still like, they were still trying to create the band and um, it didn't work. The band never, never panned out. I mean, there, for a lot of different reasons, it just didn't quite work. And I, I got, uh, I got to that point where like, you know, I'm, I don't want to get too old in this business while well, I'm still, you know, early twenties, I got to go hit the road and just do my own tour. Yeah. So I, I figured out, um, I, I came home first before I did that to kind of decompress from the LA nonsense. Sure. Cause LA is, you know, wild. It's yeah. just, a, everything there is just a lot of talk, a lot of smoke, you know, just people, you know, smoke and mirrors, people just telling you all these promises that they break. And then, uh, you, I, I feel like I just got let down so many times. I'm like, I'm just going to de decompress and see if I still want to do music. Yeah. And that's when I cut a, cut an album and I, and I put myself on tour and that, that started like eight years of touring. I just, I toured for eight solid years of wow. building the fan base, building the fan base, hitting the pavement. I, I couldn't, I couldn't book a regular venue to save my life. So what I did was I rented venues. And so I found venues that were super cheap to rent. I went to piano stores and I rented the piano recital rooms. Yeah. Because they're like 50 bucks. You know, yeah. you can get it for an hour for like 50 bucks. Nobody's using them for, nobody ever uses those. In the That's evening. genius. <laughs> yeah. A nice grand piano, acoustically sound room. They yep. already got laid up for like 200 people. So I just like, I, I just use social media to promote like crazy. This was during the days of MySpace. You know, <laughs> I'm using MySpace to promote my, my music. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just like, I'm hustling on MySpace. I'm getting like maybe on average 50 people a show, right? Yeah. And they're paying 10 bucks a ticket. I'm selling my CDs. I got two CDs at this point that I released. Uh-huh. And, um, and I was just hitting the pavement, trying to grow that fan base. So there was yeah. like a 20 city loop I did. It's the, you, you probably know the loop. It's like you go through Boise up to Seattle, down the California okay. coast, over yeah, yeah, there yeah. and back up, right? Yep. That's a, that's a whole loop that you could just keep on doing. And um, I did that for a while. Then I tried going over more east, you know, going to like Colorado, Texas. I made it out to Kansas City, um, Chicago. Anyway, so yeah, New York, obviously. I eventually went over all, all across the U.S. and then ah. Europe as well. And uh, Very my, cool. So my initial audience went from 50. I, I kept a spreadsheet because I wanted to just keep track. And I, like for the, the last couple of years of my tour, I was drawing in like an 800 people per show. Wow. It was actually like a pretty fun time. and That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I got like a, I had a couple stadium gigs at the very end. That's kind of, that was where it peaked. I'm like, hard to get, go beyond that. I, I performed for 40,000 marching band kids because I wrote the theme song for marching bands. That's right. <laughs> so that was a, that was a, yeah, there were some fun moments. I, I mean, I think the biggest, the things that I remember the most are the moments where I really, uh, I, felt like, I felt like I was inspiring people, you know? I felt like yes. I was inspiring the high school kids. You know, they, they were singing with me. They were, they were loving it. They were having, you know, just some kind of a moment there where I, I think I encouraged some of them to go to college and, or pursue music or whatever it was. But I was trying to, 
always trying to do something where there was more of a lasting impact than just playing it at the, the local bar, you know? Yeah. It sure. wasn't, I never did the bar scene. I just, I mean, and I have nothing against people doing the bar scene. I just, it just didn't fit me. Yeah. You just didn't do it. Well, I find that fascinating that, that you started, uh, touring by just going to like the piano recitals and stuff, renting out those places. That's, that's a, usually when, when, you know, people go on tour, they, it's, it's costly. It's, it's expensive. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I find that very fascinating that you did that and, and we're, we're able to, you know, pay for it and just kind of build your fan base. That's dude, that's freaking sweet. Well, you, you sell 50 tickets at 10 bucks a piece, right? Yeah. So title room maybe costs at the most a hundred bucks. So you get 500 bucks for the tickets. You got like the gas to, to get there cause you're driving. Yeah. Uh, and then I stay the night in a hotel. Most of the time actually I would stay with friends or sure. take friends or, Fans would let me stay there. I, yeah. I, I couch surfed, you know. Yeah, we know couch surf. It's, <laughs> it's a way to go. And uh, and so I still was able to pull off like a maybe six or seven hundred bucks a week <laughs> and profit, you know. Yeah. And so I, I'd, I'd come back and I'd say like, well, I got a, I got a few thousand bucks saved up to make my next album, and there we go. And so of course that's where the money went. Yeah, sure. <laughs> don't keep anything. Sure. <laughs> Musicians just spend it right back. Yep. So I. Uh, the 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 album that was after this first the first batch of tours that I did, I raised fifty thousand to do my first main album, which is Big Bang Theory. Yeah, and that was. I had an orchestra for it. I had a big band for it. I used. Uh, I mean, I tried to use the best players across the yep. board, and it was all real instruments. I didn't use any. I mean, we had a you know organ in there and stuff like that, but there was no synthesize, no samples, nothing like that. It was just straight up all real instruments, real players. Yeah, and. It was still one of my favorite albums that I've made. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was the most expensive one. So that's the way it goes. It's, yeah. you know, usually when you want to make it the right way, it's, it costs a lot more to make it. <laughs> sure. Oh yeah. With, with, you know, live session players, that's going to be uh, expensive, but uh, yeah. is it, is your album on iTunes? Yeah. Yeah. All Big right, Bang. everybody. Big Bang Theory. Everybody go, everybody go listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, still like, I still use Hops Giving a Jump is from that album. And that's like, that's one of my favorites still. That I hey, I, I remember playing that song with you. I played yeah. that song with you on. Yeah. on I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's so awesome. I have a very good memory, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean. Um, I, I kind of, now that we kind of know a little bit, a little bit about you and what you've done, I kind of want to go back and, and learn who influenced you to sing to play and to write music. I mean, Sting was one of my first influences. I mean, I always loved Sting music. Uh, Billy Joel, uh, Sting and Billy Joel probably were my top two. And oh, I guess maybe Phil Collins would be number three. So you got like, yeah, Phil Collins. I mean, I, I listened to uh, uh, see like uh, what was the name of the album? It was um, one with Another Day in Paradise in it. Uh, that album was the one that had another day in paradise. I can't remember what the name of the album was both sides of the story. Maybe it was a different one, but I mean, I had like a collection of his albums, a collection of Billy Joel's albums, and then a collection of uh, Sting's albums that I would just, you know, I'd wear through yeah. that disc. Right? Oh yeah, totally. Those discs would get so used with, with Sting. It was Mercury falling in 10 summoners tales. I uh -huh. do remember those really well with uh, Billy Joel. Um, the, the album that had, and so it goes, I think that was the, 
Stormfront one. Stormfront, um, that's a great album. <laughs> yeah, the one with the We Didn't Start the Fires. That yep. it was, like, yeah, Stormfront. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorites. I mean, I burned through that album. I mean, there was, uh, yeah. And then there was like Journey's Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah. I burned through that album like crazy. Um, there was just, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the piano players, of course. I mean, Elton John, yeah, of course. You know, I listened to a lot of Elton John, yep. Michael Jackson. Uh, and then um, and then when it came to composers, I mean, John, uh, John Williams and Danny Elfman and then mm -hmm. Thomas Newman were some of my favorites that I just always loved listening to their soundtracks. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, from the composing side to the, to the songwriting side, uh, I mean, Danny Elfman, of course, did both, you know, with Oingo Boingo. Uh, I mean, I didn't really love Oingo Boingo's stuff. I, I liked like two or three of their songs. I never got into most of their stuff. It was just really bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a couple of their live DVDs. I'm like, it's, I can enjoy it, but it's not my, it doesn't hit me like Sting and Billy Joel and some yeah. other guys, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, uh, Danny Elfman, like he, when he did his, his soundtracks, I mean, I could listen to Edward Scissorhands over and over again. Sure. Or the original Batman. Uh, oh, yeah. Or, you know, Dick Tracy or some of these other ones that are just yep. like, they're fun to listen to. So uh, with John Williams, I mean, of course, he's, I still listen to all these guys right right now. That's actually like my my morning inspiration. I listen to uh, Superman's theme song and, and then uh, Jurassic Parks and then E.T. E.T. Yeah. is probably my favorite theme song. I don't know what, what it is about that one, but just from start to finish, when you hear the London Symphony Orchestra's version of that, it's just such an incredible piece. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, lots, lots of influences. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a huge long list of influences beyond that, but oh yeah, yeah. there there always is. I, my I feel like my influence is just always, it's just always growing and changing, and I'm adding, oh, yeah. you know, more people that I'm listening to to it. So. But yeah, no, that's that's great. So you you've you've uh, you were influenced by um, a lot of piano players and vocalists and and um, uh, film composers, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that kind of ties into my next question. How how did you start composing music, and how how did you start composing music for income? Uh, I mean, I guess if you're talking about songs or score, both. I mean, when it came. Songs, let's, let's talk about I mean, both. Really, with, with songs, it was always the touring that, that brought in the income. Yeah. So the tours, and then I would just hustle and sell the albums at the tours. On the, um, and then I, I started getting song placements. When I did the Big Bang Theory album, I had a few of those songs placed, and I won a few contests with that. So that one, there was one of the songs on that album that won $30,000 in a songwriting contest. Um, it's called Slice the Pie. Uh, you might have heard of that one. It's still around. I don't know if they do the contest anymore, but they do other things now. Huh. And, uh, Hop, and Jump got placed in a bunch of TV shows. Like people from Dancing with the Stars were dancing on with it. And Very cool. It, it got some placements. And, and then uh, the song When I Take Your Hand got me uh, hired to sing the, like, the first dance for a lot of weddings around the world. I, I did like first dance from in Houston and then in Cabo and then in... Italy and then I mean people would just fly me out to sing one song and I'd be done. It was like the easiest gig ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that awesome. The, just one song. I know I show him like, okay, that's all you want, you sure? He says, We got a band, we got a band. They'll take care of the party music. We just want your original. It was like, like, oh, okay. I'll just enjoy the party then. I'll just uh, I'll just eat some of this food. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I mean I guess that's really yeah, I got I got treated I got so spoiled. <laughs> That Cabo gig, man. I tell you, this Cabo gig. I always talk about this one. Got flown out to Cabo for a whole week. 
I had my own villa, my own chef. I, I literally sang like, like I, I did a third set for that one. It was just one song, but it was like a short 30 minute set. And I had like these people with these cabanas just kind of dining. And I just, I put on a show for them with the, you know, I mean, it was just, I, I got, I just basically just spent the whole week in Cabo for fun on their dime. They paid me well for it. And I got like, I got to, you know, hire from, I mean, the chef maybe whatever I wanted. I mean, it was like, I told him like, can I just ask you for anything? He's like, anything. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's awesome. I took advantage of that, man. I just like, I was, I was calling down like every, every 30 minutes. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot. Um, can I also have... <laughs> I will have some key lime pie now. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I would ask you, I was like, I was trying to come up with outrageous stuff. It was like, I want uh, pancakes, but only wheat germ pancakes. And I want it with Nutella and raspberry sauce. <laughs> That's <laughs> and awesome. Then, and then for like freshly squeezed mango juice. And then on the side, freshly squeezed melon juice. I want both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the guy who hired me had a really long bill afterwards. Like, this is the, yeah, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. goodness! <laughs> you gotta take advantage of those moments, all right? You don't might, as get them. Well. <laughs> might as well, Sean. I mean, if you're gonna fly out to to play one song, I mean, might I as know, well. Right? <laughs> take advantage, just and soak it up. I was just kayaking in the beach, you know, on the, in the ocean. <laughs> I was just like, every day I went kayaking on their dime, just like throwing myself around. And uh, yeah, I jumped into like, it was kind of funny. I, I, there were a bunch of spring breakers down there. Uh-huh. And I just kind of like found them at, at various dance clubs. I'm like, sweet, I'll just dance with these guys. So I just started dancing with them. They asked me to invite me over to their, their places and stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm by, by myself. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I just, I just kind of lived it up while I was down there. That's awesome. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, the life of a musician <laughs> I mean, Italy yeah, yeah there's all these places where I'm like you know Italy they they, uh, they put me up in like in a, in a villa that was right next to Lake Como and I literally could jump out my window into Lake Como it was wow. I mean that and that lake is uh, is really pretty super cold though and I yeah. found that out the hard way I jumped <laughs> in I'm like ah! oh, was too cold. I was not and I was like freezing up, like you know, in shock how how cold it was. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all part of the adventure, right? All part yep. of the adventure. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so, anyway, so yeah, as far as like making money as a songwriter, that's how I started, and then making money as a composer, I started by getting songs placed, and I would start connecting with the directors, and 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 volunteering to. Um, I would volunteer with each of those directors to. Uh, score whatever they had yeah you know, of course in the beginning i scored for free sure like a bunch of short films for nothing and i did uh, uh some i did a couple feature films for nothing and got to like just where i was starting to get like something going and then i got hired uh for a series of short films and then from there i got you know hired to do a feature film and now i've got a couple films that i'm slated for if production gets back up underway uh-huh. there's two this year that are decent budgets like they I, they're, they're ones i can live off of you know so just the two films would be enough for me to carry carry me over for about a year and a half very so, cool so yeah just like started by like uh, that took me that took me a good like 10 years though yeah i started doing the the free stuff 10 years ago yeah and it just takes a long time to get there 
Oh, anything. I mean, anything worthwhile just takes, just takes a long time. A lot of yeah. practice, you know, a lot of yeah. free work. It sounds like you had to do, you yeah, know, yeah. Pay your um, no, that's great. Uh, let's, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about, uh, some live streaming for a minute. Um, if you have any, what are some tips for making money with live streams? There's a lot of people out there today, a lot of musicians today that have been forced to, to go to live stream for income. Um, what tips can you give them? You know, I, I think it's, uh, it's pretty simple. I mean, I think it's it just doing it regularly, doing it as often as you possibly can. And then having a, you know, a tip jar, a Venmo link, a PayPal link, um, and then, you know, as you, if you can build a fan base then great, you can get sponsors, but I would say you don't even need to worry about that right now. The main thing is getting, um, sending people somewhere. You just have to, you know, make sure if you, you have 30 people tuning in, make sure that at least five or six of them can contribute to the tip jar, you know, and, uh, and then cycle that through and play as long as you can until you have like at least enough to get by. It's, I mean, it's, it's not the same as doing a live show, you know, you, you're just not going to make as much no matter what. It's, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to make. I mean, and maybe that, maybe that will change too. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, who knows? Maybe this, uh, yeah. Uh, the climate could change on that. Maybe people start to really see the, the value in tipping their musicians. Um, but that really for live streaming, that was, we, we did a, we did, you know, big, big flair with our live streams where we had a lot, a lot bigger productions and with sure. those we found sponsors and we did we did a lot of giveaways i feel like we always had some prizes to give away yeah that always helps get people tuned in make some comment more like whoever comments the most can yeah, win yeah, this yeah. tech blender or you know, whoever <laughs> it was uh, we we, uh, we gave away so many different things and then uh if you do it well enough people will hire you to do it for them for their company for oh, yeah. their events that was i got a lot of those where I feel like the live streams where I made the most money were uh, when, you know, somebody saw my other live streams and said, this guy knows what he's doing. Yep. Let's hire him for our live streams. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still, like, I think I still got hired for that to last year. Uh, wait. Yeah. 2019. I forgot what year we are. <laughs> In 2019, last year for probably a good four or five months, I was getting paid for a weekly live stream. Uh-huh. And, and that was for the other side of heaven too. They paid for that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one was a, yeah, a good regular steady gig, and it be, it came out because I had you know at that time it was still pretty unknown. Right now, um, everybody's live streaming, so it's always tougher when everybody's doing it. Yeah, sure. Which is why I have no interest sure. in doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like doing it once everybody's doing it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's done now. <laughs> <laughs> next <laughs> but yeah, i get bored really fast it, it's i know i know you do i'm on to the next thing and i'm like so, uh, you know there's there's definitely some opportunities that i probably would have uh, expounded on if i had stuck with it youtube was one of those where i was doing the way the regular weekly youtube videos Back in 2010, 2009, yeah, and uh, this was when it was still kind of a new enough thing that I could have built a pretty good fan base doing it, but I got bored. I'm like, yeah. after doing it for six months, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm out. <laughs> uh, so I did like a, a full like 50 videos back to back. And I'm like, 
I am so tired of this. I don't want to see another camera guy. I don't want to do another cover <laughs> song. I'm doing originals. Get out of my way. I'm done. And I just took off on a tour. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't settle very well. <laughs> yeah, you crack me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're so funny, Sean. <laughs> um. What, uh, our next question, what, what advice could you give to musicians that are wanting to either, uh, develop, that are wanting to develop their career in, in composing music? What advice can you give, can you give them? Uh, I mean, it, just like anything else, it's just a matter of getting your, your music out to as many people as possible. You got to be creative with it because there, there's, there's tens of millions of people that are trying to do the same exact thing. Sure. So you have to find a way to do it that nobody else is doing it. That's, I mean, that's been my trick. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's hard to, for anybody to do, do it that way, but I feel like every step of the way of, of my career, I found some weird niche angle to uh -huh. hit on that nobody else was doing at the time. And then I just pounded that as hard as I could. So, um, sure. I mean, whether it was like, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like being creative about the business side of things should be just as much a priority as being creative about the music. So um, absolutely, it's all a creative process. Yeah. Both, both sides. You you have to use your creativity on the business end, and you know the the music end as well. There's still some of the the things that I did that um, I I just couldn't do anymore for time's sake or whatever else. That's still what actually worked today that nobody's doing, and I I still kind of wonder is anybody ever going to pick up that torch, and. Uh, I think I think if you just find like a niche based around what music you write, that's that's what it comes down to. Write a song, and and think of that song as like a product, and say, now that the song is written and done, what's an interesting angle for how I can market this song? You know, uh, that I was getting hired for first dance songs for that uh, for when I take your hand that for that song. Yeah, uh, I decided to pitch it that way. This is a wedding song. This is not. I'm not a wedding singer. But this is a wedding song. Yeah, and I tried to make the you know make the distinction was clear. Um, so I, I uh, and then I found out, like, I had another one that was uh, you know like I said the marching band song. It was uh, a theme song for all marching band kids and show choir kids. That was kind of my angle. I I found all the show choirs around the country. I sang for the show choir national championship, and that was actually a pretty awesome thing. I, that was another another one of those where I sang one song, and then I got to judge the soloists. I was one of the judges for the competition. So uh, it's like the, I was the guest celebrity judge. <laughs> I was like, I feel like a celebrity right now. Hey, thanks for that, guys. You know, I mean, it, it, celebrity is is a feeling. I think it's more than anything else. <laughs> if someone treats you like a celebrity, you feel like it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that's really what it comes down to. I feel like get you know, write a song that's like that you feel is super strong, and then put as much creativity into finding that angle, and that's where you're you know that's where you define a. And whether it's, it could either be based around the song or the tour, because I, yeah, there was a, a few of the things that I did that were just based around, you know, getting my music out there in general that were different. I mean, the whole real sessions thing I did a couple of years back, that was another one of those scenarios where I'm like, you know, I want to figure out a way to create more videos for cheaper. And I know other musicians who need to do the same thing. Yep. It seems like a win. Let's do this. Let's make the goal Abbey Road Studios. Yep. Made it to Abbey Road Studios. I mean, that was... That was kind of, uh, I mean, I, in the end, I didn't really, uh, the real sessions itself wasn't really profitable. I would say it probably broke even. Yeah. Um, so I didn't make 
money off of the actual real sessions, but I still made money off of my part of it. What, what videos I created out of it. The fact that I got to go to Abbey Road studios for pretty much free. Yeah. You know, um, that was my payment was really the trip to London was covered by everything that I made from real sessions covered by trip and my session. So sure. I, I got mine for free pretty much. That was yeah. my payment for the, for the year. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's the thing though. It was, it was such an odd thing to do. And nobody was like, I had to, well, anytime you have to really go into depth to explain what it is, you know, you're doing something right because yeah. nobody else has ever done it before. You can't just say it's like this, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like what so-and-so did, you know, cause this is, yep. I did real sessions. It wasn't like anything anybody had ever done. So I had to explain like, well, it's like this, but then you have to have this twist and this thing. And it was like a full page write up. And I'm like, there's, I, I kept trying to simplify it as much as possible. But I'm like, it's, it basically requires three or four paragraphs <laughs> to explain what real sessions is. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, my live for music tour was the same thing. I mean, I went and found choir teachers and band teachers and I said, I want to put on a concert for your choir with your choir as a fundraiser for your choir. Yeah. And, and that was one of those where like, they were like, well, we've never done that before and we'll try it out. And they, they, they were, uh, so I found all the choir teachers who were progressive enough to be open to trying something new. And I ended up doing like, I feel like I did a couple hundred schools. It was actually quite a few, you know, all over, uh, all over the country. And uh, I got all kinds of school memorabilia. <laughs> That's awesome. So many t-shirts and jackets and hats from schools. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like a closet full of it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Those are the things. Like, I feel like in the end, like it's just it was such a unique, different angle on things that I, I, I was the only one doing it. I had no competition, and yeah. it, that was the most refreshing thing about it. Uh, as a musician is inundated with competition where you got 10 million people trying to get on the top 50 of Spotify or whatever it is. Yep. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's overwhelming. And so oh, yeah. instead of saying like, well, I'm going to compete against that, you know, I mean, it's, it's more like, well, now I'm the only person doing this in the entire world. I'm competing against nobody but myself. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> world. I mean, it really is. I mean, even what, what I'm working on right now, I don't know of anybody who's done um, an interactive uh, project like what I'm working on right now. So yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us about your new project that you're working on. So it's called The Paradise Planets. So The Paradise Planets is a book series, six books. So I wanted to basically kind of be like a Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia. It's a total fantasy book. Oh, yeah. I love uh, it. But it's a musical. So I'm writing songs with it and I've got an album to go with it. And then I've got an interactive experience. I don't want to give away too much about what I'm doing with it. But the main thing is I've got like some really interesting uh, ways to uh, hit on this. And the book itself, I had this idea about a story and I'm like, I was looking up research. I'm like, has anybody ever written a book, or a story like this? So I actually think I've got a unique twist on a story right now. So um, I'm keeping that close to the best for sure. Uh, once I'm ready to launch this thing in full, then I'm going to announce everything and let everybody know what, all of what I'm doing. Yep. But I'm keeping it, for the most part, a little bit secret on, on the, you know, on the lowdown for the, you know, just, to, just yep. until they launch. But yeah, it's sure. a fantasy series and it's a musical. And ultimately the goal would be, it'd be amazing if I could make this into a movie series like The Lord of the Rings, you know? Um, that would be pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that would be the ultimate goal. Uh, first step first is, you know, let's, get the, let's make the book a New yep. York Times bestseller. 
Let's get it on that list. That's kind of my ultimate goal for this one is if I can be on the seller list of New York Times, uh-huh. be a, a dream come true with this one. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes with some songs and it's going to be a very interactive experience. But um, I mean, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm just I'm looking forward to trying to you know, put all these productions together and and uh, juggle the whole thing. But right now I just got to write the book. <laughs> so, I love it. The hard part is like I get into business mode and I get all creative and all excited about it. And I'm like, wait, I got to finish the book first. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, first things first, you know, I get ahead of myself all the time. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out ways to raise the money that I need for it. You know, I'm, I'm doing everything from my own investments, which will most likely not go as fast as I'd like them to go. But, you know, yeah. you always think like, well, if I, if I bet on this stock and then that stock doubles, yeah. <laughs> I sell it by this stock and that one doubles. <laughs> oh, Sean, you're so awesome. <laughs> and in reality, you're really just going to make like, you know, 5% or 10%, you know, on the stocks. Yeah. You're like, I made a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> Not quite the million and a half I'd hoped. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm always <laughs> Yeah. Gotta gotta try everything. I mean, I'll reach out to all my investors and I'll try to get someone to invest in this thing and I don't know, we'll figure out what what I'm gonna actually do to, to launch this thing. But I need a million and a half to do it. That's where where I feel like it's gonna do it right. So I'm probably gonna hold on to this thing until I get the million and a half to do it. Sounds like <laughs> a good idea. Yeah, if I have to do like 20 Kickstarters. There you go. <laughs> it's like, this is Kickstarter number 20. I know we only raised two grand last time, but I really am trying to raise a million and a half. So uh, we'll just <laughs> we'll do an increment of 50,000. <laughs> there you go. That sounds awesome. <laughs> hey, where can, where can people go find you? What, do you have an Instagram page or Facebook page that people can go find you and yeah, I, I mean, I'm, all, I'm on all social media platforms. It's just at Sean Barrows. And uh, I'm on Spotify, you know, and all the, all the music platforms, of course, YouTube. Uh, I mean, I would just say Instagram is probably the easiest way to find out news about what's going on. So, um, cool. yeah, at Sean Barrows, you know, uh, I usually just spell it. It's S-H-A-U-N-B-A-R-R-O-W-E-S. They follow me on at Sean Barrows, and I'll, they'll, they'll be able to, you know, keep apprised on uh, any of these projects i'm working on um you know i've got a couple of films that i'm working on right now that i'm just scoring doing the instrumental scores for and very cool I'm, i'll be posting a lot about those when they come out great um so yeah a lot of fun projects always in the works awesome yeah. so cool sean dude it was so awesome to have you on the podcast i love talking to you <laughs> we need a jam we need to have a, z- a jam session again <laughs> oh totally I know. Absolutely. I've bought a lot more guitars. I, I think I've bought three new guitars, three new Gibsons. So we need to have right. a good jam session. <laughs> yeah, All right. exactly. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on, on the podcast. Uh, for everybody out there, uh, you can connect with us on the Guitar Freaks Facebook page. If you want to um, uh, connect with us there, you can. Just, just find us on Facebook. Sean, thanks for coming on the, the program. Thanks for having me, Justin. Rock on, everyone.